Welcome to the Save Me Lives podcast. I'm Eddie Joe. Today is October 2nd of 2021 for historical context to this particular podcast. Yesterday, the 1st of October, there was quite a stir after a press release by Merck Pharmaceuticals after reports that their new antiviral medication, and bear with me as I practice saying this, Monopiravir, showed benefits in early COVID-19. In this particular podcast, I plan on discussing this, and um, I, I think it's pretty funny that they shared this information, this press release at 6 a.m. on the 1st, so that pre-market traders can go on a frenzy. But that's that's something as an aside, as uh, shareholders for Merck definitely benefited from this press release. First question is, what is monopiravir? Well, it is a, quote, orally administered form of a potent ribonucleoside analog that inhibits the replication of SARS-CoV-2, end quote. And the whole thing happened after Merck Pharmaceuticals put out a press release with the headline, quote, Merck and Ridgeback's investigational oral antiviral monopiravir reduced the risk of hospitalization or death by approximately 50% compared to placebo for patients with mild or moderate COVID-19 in positive interim analysis of phase three study. The main headline thereafter is that, quote, at the interim analysis, 7.3% of patients who receive monopiravir were hospitalized through day 29, compared with 14.1% of placebo-treated patients who were hospitalized or died. Out of all these numbers, their p-value here, which shows statistical significance, is tiny at 0.00. One two, anything less than 0 0.05 is something that we call we consider to be valuable, and this overall bodes well. But what does this really mean? I mean, I know the, the lay people are not, uh, you know, big on statistics and all that. Well, the first thing is that to provide the reality check here, this is not a cure for COVID nineteen. It does keep patients out of the hospital, though. One of the things that I frequently comment about is something called number needed to treat, as in how many people do you need to give this to, to benefit a single person. And here, if you put into the number needed to treat calculator, which you could Google, and I definitely recommend you do this for yourself because it actually helps you understand how impactful a particular uh, intervention could be and how much it's actually going to cost, which I'm going to do later on in this podcast. But you go ahead and you, you, you plug in 7.3% and in the other box you plug in 14.1% and what you end up finding is that the number needed to treat to keep a single person out of the hospital or dying is 14.7. Therefore, it's not a cure, but it definitely helps. And I've taken issue with this before, but the state the the headline is way way sexier. You know, if the headline states monopiravir reduced the risk of hospitalization or death by approximately 50% is way <laughs> way more impactful than saying, hey, we need to treat 14.7 patients in order to keep one person out of the hospital. And, um, you know, it's, it's just not as sexy sounding. One of the things that's important is that uh, there was a 0% incidence of death in the, in the monopiravir group versus a 2.1% incidence of death in the control group. So one, one of the things, you know, and this is, this is just, thinking of this in, in a way that we could use this information for public education. The incidence of death in um, COVID-19 in patients with risk factors, such as the, such as the people included in the study, is 2.1%. 
all this information came out of a trial called the Move Out trial. The trial from which this data came from is a phase three trial, meaning that it's almost ready to be concluded, almost ready to get the green light. But this press release came from an interim analysis, which means that the full trial is not yet complete. These data come from the interim analysis. And what is an interim analysis, you ask? Well, when a study is being conducted, a point is pre-specified where the teams are going to take a look at the data that they have to that time and determine whether they're causing harm, seeing a benefit, or whether their interventions are futile. And even though the full trial is not yet complete, per the, per the press release, quote, recruitment in the study is being stopped early due to these positive results, end quote. And this was uh, something that was listed by the FDA as well as an independent data monitoring committee, co committee, excuse me. Hopefully this means that the manuscript will be knocked out shortly for us to dissect and therefore published. In this interim analysis, they looked at 775 patients, which is a good amount. Overall, they've already recruited 90% of the entire 1,550 patients that were planned to be enrolled into the study. And they were start, started on either monopiravir, monopiravir, yeah, I said it correctly, or placebo within five days of randomization. This means that these patients were started on this therapy early. And it is of utmost importance because it is my opinion that if you start early, the better the outcome. Once the patient's in my ICU, it's way too late. The formal inclusion criteria states, quote, had initial onset of signs or symptoms attributable to COVID-19 for less than or equal to five days prior to the day of randomization and at least one of the following signs and symptoms attributable to COVID-19 on the day of randomization, end quote. I appreciate that they included patients who had at least one risk factor associated with poor disease outcomes. These risk factors included obesity, an age greater than or equal to 60, diabetes, and heart disease. They did not specify anything whatsoever about vaccination studies status, which is a question that I have about the patients enrolled into the study. It is a remarkable international study. Obviously, Merck Pharmaceuticals has a ton of financial resources. So I'd venture to say that the vast majority were unvaccinated, especially since they started the study in October of 2020 before vaccines were readily available. If you care to go deep into the inclusion and exclusion criteria of the study, I recommend you go to my website in the show notes and click on the link for clinicaltrials.gov. A bulk of the exclusions were of patients who had poor renal function, certain HIV patients, and patients with liver dysfunction. For example, patients with hepatitis B, hepatitis C, elevated LFTs, and patients with thrombocytopenia. One of the questions I had is, does monopiravir work against the variants? And the move out trial has looked into the variants and they state, quote, to date, the Delta, Gamma, and Mu variants have accounted for nearly 80% of the evaluable cases in this trial, end quote. We will have to actually wait for the subgroup analysis with the formal publication to see the actual details in this. Another one of the questions that I had is about the adverse effects that we're seeing. And here, there was really no difference in the incidence of adverse effects between the monopiravir and placebo groups. There were also no differences in the incidence of drug-related adverse effects. And during clinical trials, you know, one of the things that often happens is that patients sometimes drop out and stop taking the drug. Oddly enough, this happened more often in the control arm, where 3.4% of patients dropped out there, than in the study arm, where 1.3% of patients dropped out there. Now, as an ICU doctor, I always try to see if these medications have any potential benefit for hospitalized patients. 
But at this time, and again, there's no data to support what I'm about to say, it is my personal opinion that this medication will have no role whatsoever in hospitalized patients. The reason why is because it has been shown to be efficacious in non-hospitalized patients when provided early in the diagnosis. Again, this is early. Once someone even presents to the hospital, they are too far into the inflammatory phase of their COVID-19 syndrome where this just won't work as they're no longer in the viral replication phase where these medications are intended to work. And again, it seems as if there has been an attempt to do a trial on monopiravir in hospitalized patients, but this has been terminated and that the details for that are on my website down in the show notes. So the next thing is, where do we go next? And I suspect that there'll be an emergency use authorization for this therapy and a frenzy to get it into pharmacies and into the hands of patients. The press release states that, quote, Merck expects to produce 10 million courses of treatment by the end of 2021, end quote. They must have suspected this was going to work because they, quote, entered a procurement agreement with the U.S. government under which Merck will supply approximately 1.7 courses of monopiravir to the U.S. government, end quote. So, yeah, that's all fine and dandy for the U.S. government, but will other countries be able to get their hands on it if or when it is approved? And the press release goes ahead and states that strategies have been put into place with other generic manufacturers to make sure that people can get this. So all in all, um, what will this regimen cost? And I don't know, I, I I actually didn't put enough effort into it, to be honest with you, where the data came from, but... There are outlets stating that it's going to cost $700 of our tax dollars or, you know, money printed out of thin air by the Federal Reserve, however you feel your fiat currency comes to be per regimen. So if we do some math with a number needed to treat of 14 times 700, it'll cost us approximately $9,800 to keep a person out of the hospital. Is this worth it? Well, I leave it up to you to decide. What am I waiting for? Well, First of all, I want to actually read the paper before I get too excited about anything. I want to see the groups of patients who this was provided to. I want to see what adverse effects are listed. I want to see the subgroup of people who may have been vaccinated in this. I want to see the demographics of folks who ended up in the hospital despite this. Also seeing if this helps shorten symptoms is also important, but to me, less so because, you know, I just want to keep people out of the ICU. Is this ultimately a cure? Definitely not. But it should help, and, and I look forward to any therapy that could provide any help in the outpatient setting to avoid people getting to me. Overall, uh, all in all, excuse me, thanks everybody for your support, and uh, I hope you all have a great, great day.